Thank you for downloading our podcast today. We hope this message is a blessing to you. For more information about Revolution, check us out at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, we also want you to get ready for a very, very special treat today. You've heard from my brother, Anton, but today you're going to hear from my other brother, James, Pastor James Boyd from Grow Church in Naples, Florida. He's going to be bringing the message today, so I want you to be ready. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be an awesome time. What is up, Revolution Church? I am so glad to be with you today. I'm James. I'm actually one of the pastors at Grow Church down in Naples, Florida, and I'm also Pastor Dino's double brother-in-law. Now, that's right, I just said double brother-in-law. You may be wondering, what does that mean? And it means this, simply. I married his sister, and he married my sister. So I was his brother-in-law before I married his sister. I know that all sounds weird and stuff, and we're still not even sure if it's legal, but let's move on past that. I, I was really excited when Pastor Dino asked me if I would bring the word to Revolution Church this Sunday. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. And what I like to do prior to getting into a message is kind of pray that God would open our hearts and our minds to get ready to receive from him. Because I don't know about you, but I'd rather receive from him than from any person standing on any stage anywhere. So let's pray real quick as we get into the message today. Father God, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. God, we're honored to be in your presence. Wherever we find ourselves today, in our living rooms, wherever we're streaming from, you're in our midst. You said it in your word. We believe it in our hearts. So now, God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive from you and you alone, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're out there, I'm going to need a little bit of help today while you're streaming. So if you can hit up the chat as much as possible, like when we amen a prayer, you amen in the chat, just talk to us a little bit as we go here. So um, I wonder, have you ever uh, said yes to a question before somebody got the whole question out? Like for instance, Pastor Dino, when he was asking me if I would teach a message for Revolution Church, I was like, yeah, man, let, let's work out the schedule. Let's, let's do that, right? And that was kind of before he let me in on the whole topic that he had in mind. So um, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's get the schedule together. And then he drops this on me. He goes, well, why don't, you, um, why don't you talk about forgiveness? And I'm like, who does that, bro? Like uh, grace, faith, miracles, healing, power, Holy Spirit, all these cool things that I could talk about. And he's going to go ahead and drop forgiveness as a topic on me. Like, I don't know that I'm ever going to forgive him for, I'm just kidding. Like, that's not even funny, right? So today, our topic is going to be forgiveness. And I, I'm kind of excited because I think he's on to something here. I think forgiveness has held back the body of Christ for a long, long time. Like, what happens is, I think forgiveness builds up in our heart, or unforgiveness builds up in our heart on many different occasions for within many different relationships. And we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know what to do. We have a lot of questions surrounding this topic. And I thought maybe if I can just kind of start by asking a couple of questions that myself and maybe you have asked yourselves that we just don't know about forgiveness. Maybe we can frame this whole discussion just on a few questions that 
if we figure out, maybe it'll help us heal our hearts and move forward in our lives. One of those questions would be, do I have to forget? You remember when you were growing up and your mom said, you've got to forgive and forget, right? And then as you're growing up, you recognize forgetting, like maybe forgiving, I know that's challenging, but that's easier than forgetting. And is that even scripture anyway? What do do I do with that? Do I have to forgive and forget? And if I do, how do I do that? So that's maybe the first question. The second one would be, are boundaries okay? Like after I forgive somebody, if, if I've had to forgive somebody, it probably means that they've done something to me that I need to forgive them for. And then I wonder, can I set any boundaries? Or is that, does, do boundaries mean that I haven't truly fully forgiven them? So maybe we'll talk about boundaries for a second today. And then another one is, what if, it still hurts. Maybe you've been there before and you've forgiven somebody for something that they've done. However, it still kind of hurts or it, it, when, when you run into a situation similar, it kind of still twitches. It kind of still hurts your heart a little bit. So I know you've probably been there like I've been there. And then maybe today we can talk about how can I believe the best in somebody that's hurt me? I know that sounds impossible, but scripture says a lot about it, and I'd like to get into that too. If we can get through these questions, I think these are maybe my top four questions that I've had a hard time figuring out when it comes to this topic of forgiveness. And if we can figure that out, maybe towards the end of today's talk, this conversation that we're going to have, maybe we can just put some steps together to help us walk this out on a day-to-day basis. I, I hope that we can do that, and I would love... Uh, to challenge us today to find this um, in this message today. So let me start with a scripture, and it's Isaiah 43, 24. It says this, and this is just kind of a portion of it, so you'll see a dot, dot, dot before it. But you have burdened me, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, now, uh, if, you're, if you're not recognizing where this is coming from, this is Old Testament scripture, but it's prophetic. It's about Jesus. So when, when, when it says I, it's talking about Jesus here. So I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I find a couple of things in here that are interesting in this scripture. One, that we can weary Jesus with our issues. Like Jesus can actually be wearied by our issues. And also then I think it's really interesting that he, he says, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own sake, Jesus, for his own sake, blots out our transgressions. And then he says, and remember your sins no more. So I guess in that question, do we need to forgive and forget? Maybe, because we always say as believers, we wanna be more like Jesus. And then we look at this scripture and it says, and he remembers them no more. And that's like forgetting them. That's like never recalling them again. And then we go, I, I want to be like Jesus, but maybe not all the way like that, like Jesus, because I've never been able to accomplish that on my own. So today, what I'd like to do is say, okay, if Jesus can forgive and forget, maybe there's ways, there's things that we can put in our life so that we can actually forgive and forget as well. Maybe there's some things that we can put in there that will help us in this dilemma of, well, how do I forgive and forget and not get hurt again? Because I think maybe that's some of our greatest questions that we may have. So let me, let me see, though, because a lot of times we, we probably think, well, if Jesus could do it, that's one thing. 
because he's Jesus, but I've never claimed to be Jesus, so maybe he can do it, but I can't, because Jesus can't be hurt by us. I don't know, we just saw in Isaiah that Jesus can be wearied by us, but there's other scriptures that show that God can actually be hurt by us too. If you go to Genesis 6, 6, it says this, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Wow, we can break God's heart just by some of the things that we do because I think he loves us to such an extent. He's got such a purpose and a plan for our lives that when we stray off of it, that doesn't mean he gives up on us. It just means it hurts him because it hurts us. When we don't follow his guidance, we get hurt, so God hurts for us. I think that's kind of what it means. Another scripture from Ephesians 4.30 says this. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Wait a second. So we can also grieve the Holy Spirit? Now, I've stuck on this scripture for quite a while, six months maybe at a time, because I've challenged myself to say, what in my life, what in my thoughts, what, what in my business environments, what in my conversations, in my household have I grieved the Holy Spirit? But for today's point, it's, wow, we can hurt God with our actions? So our, I guess our dilemma here is like, well, if Jesus can do it, that's Jesus and he's not like us because he can't be hurt by us, but it's not true. So if Jesus can forgive and forget, maybe there's something that we can do to try and get in that same progression that he's in. Maybe you've heard this statement before. It says, um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. What if I put it this way? Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Now, we, we understand that and we go, that's exactly the point. That's why I can forgive, but I can't forget or I'm going to be hurt again. And that's where I, I've, I lean into this, um, this one word, and it's called this, boundaries. Now, there's a book out there that's really, really good, and the, whole, the title of it's just Boundaries, and I recommend it to so many different people that either are in business with uh, close-knit uh, relationships or in families, and that they just need to set some boundaries. Now, we may even ask this question like, well, if I set boundaries, then is that full forgiveness? And I would say yes, if the boundaries are set up correctly, because boundaries keep us safe, from future offense. So if we want to forgive and forget, what if we could set some boundaries up in our lives and we could know that boundaries can keep us safe, but boundaries have to be communicated out well because they're not to hurt the other person, they're to actually keep us safe from a future offense if they're communicated appropriately. So boundaries are not to punish the other party. A lot of times we'll, we'll see uh, or we'll make a boundary and that boundary will be so that they can't hurt us again and so that um, they need to stay in their lane. And if you're even approaching it that way, the boundary is probably incorrect. The boundary needs to be for safety. Remember, um, if you're a parent, you probably remember something similar to this, at least when you talked to your son or your daughter as they were growing up and you said something like, hey, uh, in this house, you're not going to talk like that. Like, you can't call your mom an idiot, or you can't call your sister stupid, or whatever. And you set these boundaries up for your children, and you were clear with them because you didn't want them to step over the boundary and hurt somebody. But then as we grow in our adulthood, we think that boundaries are different for some reason. Boundaries are for our safety. They're not to hurt somebody else. They're for our safety and somebody else's safety so that they can see when they cross over a boundary. 
Now, when you practice that boundary, you can end up one day feeling safe enough to start forgetting or at least leaving that thing that you forgave in the past. I think it's kind of maybe a metaphor for this could be um, when you walk up to somebody's house at night and they've got those motion sensor lights and you walk up to their house and when you walk up, the light goes on and you all of a sudden you take that step, the light goes on and you go, am I in the wrong spot right now? Like, For some reason, it was dark and now it's light, so somebody wants to know when I step into this. Even an animal, if if you've got these motion sensor lights on your house and an animal comes walking up. One time I had a panther walk up in my front yard. Yeah, it's Florida over here, you know? it's, It's the jungle. There's alligators and panthers and bears and all kinds of crazy stuff. But So this panther walks up, the light goes on and the thing freezes because even a panther... Not even a human, but a panther knows like, hey, it's dark, and all of a sudden, boom, I just hit a boundary. So maybe I shouldn't be here, or maybe I should enter with care or with caution because now I just crossed over a boundary. So maybe in some of your conversations as you forgive and set some boundaries for future safety, maybe it's like even in conversations, maybe it's as simple as politics. Maybe in some of your relationships, when you get into the conversation of politics, offenses happen. So as soon as you start to move into a political conversation, maybe you need to start backing out. But if you don't communicate that appropriately, guess what? The other person doesn't know and they'll continue to encroach and make it an unsafe environment. So what we need to do is communicate our boundaries out, not to hurt somebody else, but to help heal a relationship as we forgive. Our job is not to hold an offense, but release it. Boundaries are not inner vows either. And this one's a little bit complicated, so let me wade into this a little bit. An inner vow would be this. It would just be inside. It kind of says it in the term inner vows, but it's something that's held inside. I think many times when we forgive, we hold an inner vow that says they'll never treat me that way again, and when this happens, I'm going to retreat, but we do it all inside. So what we do is we build up a wall inside of our hearts that one, God can't even get through, and two, it's not healing. It feels like safety, but it's not because it's an inner vow that actually stops us from truly forgiving and moving forward. So a boundary is not an inner vow. A boundary is something communicated out. So after you forgive somebody, after and you might even need some space or some time in between that, you can communicate a boundary to that person to heal the relationship because God is about restoration. That's what he's into. He's into us having clear boundaries so that we can have good relationships. So boundaries are not inner vows. But now on to another one of these questions that we were, that we were talking about. And it's this question of um, what, if, what if it still hurts? So you've been in a situation, you've forgiven them, maybe you haven't set boundaries yet or something like that, but you're in this spot of, hey, I forgave them. Before God, I forgave them, but by the way, it still hurts. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there, if we're, if we're going to be honest with it. And by the way, we're probably there frequently. It's not just a one-time thing, so let's not kind of try and convince ourselves that this is somebody else's problem. We, we go through this a lot, actually. And what if it still hurts after we forgive? I'd like to take you to Galatians 2.20. This is... Um, a scripture that comes up often because I, I just love it. It's very challenging though because it's hard to do. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's go back up to the top of that scripture, Galatians 2.20. It says, so it's, it's, I've been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Hmm. Then I guess if I've forgiven, but I still hurt, I've just got some flesh still in the way to take care of, if that makes sense sense because what happens is we forgive but we're still kind of hurting sometimes we don't take the time in between to kind of heal appropriately to set the boundaries appropriately to move forward without hurting but really if we do it the way that God outlines it to us we we need to try to take our flesh try and get in somebody else's shoes sometimes so that we can not only experience like our hurt but maybe experience what they walk through in the scenario. That's what Jesus did. That's the model that he shows us. Like uh, we'll even get into some other scriptures in today's message that will help us see how Jesus walked through these same exact processes that we're talking about. Like being hurt, being challenged with loving somebody through that hurt and forgiving through it. You know, forgiving isn't for the other person, it's actually for you. So if we can look at this and say, okay, I got a little bit of flesh. I, I'm, I'm still building up walls. I've, I've got me in the way. And that's mostly the problem. Like I'm in my own way most of the time. I don't, I don't know about you, but for me at least, like I got to get past me so that I can heal a situation so that I can get out of the way and I can let Jesus in a situation. Forgiveness is not for me or it's not for the other person. It's actually for me. You've probably heard this before, like people uh, in relationships are, are in, or in families that have not talked for like 40, 50 years. And now at this point, they even forgot what they were arguing about. It's because they said something like, well, if they don't apologize, then I'm not going to forgive them. What, what, wait, what do you mean? Like that doesn't hurt them. It only hurts you. Forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you because your heart needs forgiveness. Like when, when you're walking through this life with walls built up, you're not gonna be able to hear God's voice and I'm afraid for you because we need to take the walls down of this unforgiveness that's in our heart so that we can move forward with God so that he can participate with us. And this is how it works. Like if we can break that wall of unforgiveness down, then God can speak to us and, and guide our path. See, if I can't forgive, I can't receive all that God has for me. That's just a true fact. If I can't forgive, I'm holding myself back from receiving all that God has for me. So if we are in unforgiveness, we are dependent on ourselves rather than God. What that means is if, if I'm in unforgiveness, I'm trying to control a situation. So what, what happens is I'm, I'm kind of lying to myself and I don't even recognize it. So I, I get hurt and I try to forgive, but... I'm not doing a very good job of it. I'm building up walls in my heart because I feel like I can't forgive them yet because what if, what if I forgive them but they don't get what they deserve? You've probably said that before. Now you're controlling the situation rather than forgiving and letting God control the situation. They're gonna get what they deserve. You don't have to worry about that. However, what if God asked you that question? Hey, uh, listen, did you get what you deserved? Because as far as I recollect, you were saved while you were yet a sinner. Like Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins without your repentance yet. So he came with an objective to love you before you were like worth loving or before you repented of your sins. He called you worth it. He loves you to that extent 
to say, you don't have to do anything for me to love you to that extent. Then we say, I wanna be like Jesus, but at the same time we say, but not to that extent because I need them to get what they deserve. You see, forgiveness is a trust issue between God and I. It's not a trust issue between myself and them. It's a trust issue between myself and God. Wow. When I was even preparing these notes and I said that, I was like, whoa, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if I cannot trust God to heal a situation, to give that person what they deserve, which is probably good as far as I can see in scripture, like God's idea of what they deserve is good. He sent his son to die on the cross for them. So it's not no matter what they do, he's got good plans in store for them and for you. But what if I can release it and give it to God? Now that trust between God and I goes up because I can say, listen, I know it may not look like that person's gonna get what they deserve, but guess what? It's not in my control. I can release it to God. And when I can release it to God, I can truly forgive fully because now it's in his court and not mine. What if I forgive and they do it to somebody else? I, I know, you, you turn into like this unforgiveness thing. The enemy starts talking to you and says like, well, hey, if you just forgive them, they could do it to somebody else. So you turn into, the enemy kind of turns you into a hero in your story. Like, I'm not gonna forgive because I gotta help this person recognize that they're so bad and this will save somebody else. Listen, it's all a lie of the enemy. What the enemy's trying to do is build a wall up in your heart so that you don't receive from God anymore, so that God can't move in your life to the extent that he wants to, so that you can't be used in your purpose like God has in store for you. So the enemy says, hey, if you forgive them too quick, they could do it to somebody else. You, you need to hold that against them. You need to make sure they don't. Listen, you're not in control of this. Let God be God. Let God be in control of them. You just clear your heart so that he can keep you on the path to your purpose and your destiny. What if they continue this behavior and get away with it even more? Oh my goodness, that would be horrible. It's not up to you. We ask these questions because forgiveness is such a hard thing and the enemy wants to keep us trapped in unforgiveness, I'm telling you. This is the best thing that he could possibly do to believers is keep us trapped in unforgiveness so we don't hear from God, so we stay angry at each other, so we don't build relationships, so we stay isolated. All these things happen by unforgiveness in our hearts and the enemy wins. Listen, we gotta let go of unforgiveness. And I'm not just preaching to you today. I'm talking to me today. I'm looking in the mirror today because these things creep up on us. They do many times and we need to keep our eye on it. So what are ways that we can challenge our flesh levels? Because sometimes just us, just we get in our own way and I'm gonna call it flesh levels, which means just like, how can I uh, lose some more control on purpose? Or what, what are the things that I'm in my own way of. So I would, I would challenge this. Maybe the first one is, how are we responding daily to our spouse or our kids or the people, let's just say, that are closest to us? If we challenge ourselves to ask these questions, maybe we'll even ask them to help us see, how are, how are we responding to people? How are we, are we negative? Are we angry? Are we bitter? Are we, because these things build up and by the way, a lot of them have started with unforgiveness in our heart because now we're trying to control every situation and our heart is just blockaded in with unforgiveness. Maybe we can ask those that are closest to us to help us see what are the things that are, that are blocking me here? Is there, is there a flesh level that's high? Is there something that I can work on? Maybe another question would be this. Do we believe the best right away? 
I don't know. You probably have people in your life that would tell you if you're a person that believes the best right away. However, I would guess that you haven't asked them that because they might tell you the, the uh, correct answer. They might tell you the hurtful answer or the one that would sting a little bit. No, you don't always believe the best in every situation. Maybe this is one of those fleshly things that we can put behind us if we just ask those people in our circle, hey, do I believe the best? What about this one? Do, do those closest to us define us as happy or angry? Simple question, but you could ask them. Many times we get stuck in these spots because we won't ask those people around us. God put them there for a reason, to help us grow, and then we don't use them to grow. We close out, we isolate, we build up walls in our heart of unforgiveness, and we continue to move on angrily. Like, these things will hurt us, we know it, we feel it, but we don't ask to get better. What about maybe even this one, number four? Do we talk about other people behind their back? If we can't face it, we probably in our relationships have something in our heart that's wrong. Like many times it starts with unforgiveness, but it could be anything. Do we talk about people behind their back? That probably means that we don't trust people enough. Maybe it means that we don't trust God enough because we don't feel like our voice is recognized. We, we, we've been heard in the past. We've made inner vows that have kind of trapped our heart, if you will. I don't know. Unforgiveness feels like safety, but it's really not. It will kill you. It will deplete you from the inside out. Unforgiveness feels like safety, but I got to tell you, it will kill you. It will cut off all your circulation to your heart. It will stop God's voice from being recognizable in your life. See, anything that takes the place of God in your life will strangle you and keep you bound. That's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness blocks God from speaking to you. Or maybe I should say it this way, not blocks God from speaking to you, because I actually think God's always speaking to us. Maybe it just blocks us from being able to hear him. I remember in Ephesians 1, it says something about the eyes of our heart being enlightened, or the eyes of our heart. And, and I wonder maybe if our heart has eyes, maybe it has ears too. And that's the way that we hear God. So if we have our heart blockaded in unforgiveness and walls built up around it, maybe we can't hear from God either. If you can't hear from God, I'm gonna tell you, you're in danger. Because the thief is out there, the enemy is out there like a thief trying to destroy you every single day. And if you can't hear from God where you're supposed to be, you're in trouble, you're in danger. Unforgiveness blocks God from speaking to us. So the last one here, believing the best. This one's really challenging and I'm not sure that any of us have it figured out because when we're in difficult situations and we're trying to believe the best, it's, it's really tough. And I gotta say, uh, maybe I'm the first one to say, like, I, I fail at this one frequently. It is very hard to believe the best when people have proven otherwise. Jesus says this in Luke 23, 34. And this is Jesus as he's on the cross being killed by the people that he came to save, okay? Crazy scenario. So Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, if you look this scripture up, it continues and it says, uh, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Okay, so let's frame this out a little bit. Jesus is on the cross dying for the people that he came to save that didn't even want to be saved, that didn't even love him or ask him to do it. He came for them. Now, 
Jesus believes the best in these folks and he goes, hey, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And then right after he says it, they're dividing up his clothes and casting lots. So by the way, this means they do know what they're doing. What is Jesus trying to do by believing the best here then? What Jesus is trying to do is keep his heart maybe clean and pure for what God's calling is on his life. Because guess what? If you're not believing the best, you can't see the calling that God's got on your life. If Jesus doesn't die on the cross, if he doesn't give his life for us that day, we are all a mess from that day forward. We were already a mess up to that day. If Jesus gets sidetracked here, we're a mess. How's he do it? He believes the best. Even though it looks like something is totally different, he goes, hey, Father, Please forgive them for they know not what they do. Even though proven right in front of him, they know what they're doing. Now you might be saying this again. Well, that's Jesus. Of course, hey, he does everything right. I'm not perfect like him. Okay, let's take Stephen, okay? Stephen is a guy. It says he's full of the Holy Spirit. Like he, he's following God and the disciples of that time, they're, they're like, um, hey, we need some more people to add to this team because people are getting saved and set free and healed all over the place. We need some more people to add to this team. Stephen's one of them. Stephen comes in in the book of Acts and he becomes one of the closest followers of Jesus and he starts healing the sick and doing all this uh, cool stuff and right away he gets arrested. So Stephen then he's, he's, uh, he goes on this long rant and he, and he talks about the old covenant. He talks about Jesus and talks about all this amazing stuff. And then he's getting stoned. It's like, wait, 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 wait. What? I just followed my calling and I'm being persecuted for it? This is Stephen, okay? So he's in the middle of getting stoned and he says this. He goes, so it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. What? So Stephen does almost the same thing that Jesus does. He's in this spot. He's, he's following his calling and his purpose that God's, that God's ordained him to do, right? And then these people are stoning him. And what does he say? He says, hey, God, don't hold this against them. Oh my goodness, what? Don't hold this against them. I think because Stephen was willing to release that and, and walk in love, even in the most detrimental situation, guess what? I think God steps in and he just falls asleep. Instead of going through the difficulties of, of being stoned, which is a major difficulty, like this is, a, this is a nasty type of death, right? He just falls asleep and he meets his maker. He, he goes and sees Jesus because he can clean his heart out and just say, hey, God, would you forgive him? already? Like, this is the heart of the Father, right? It says in Matthew seven twenty, but by their fruit, they will be recognized. So here's what I would ask you. When, when you're squeezed, what comes out? Hey, when you're in a difficulty, in, in a situation that looks like it's not going to turn out in your favor, that looks really, really bad for you, do you look like Jesus? Do you look like Stephen? What do we look like? Because we're going to be known by our fruit. Like, people, we don't have to open our mouth for people to see Jesus if we do this right. All we need to do is allow our hearts to be free. What we can do is we can uh, forgive other people. We can set some boundaries up for safety, but kind of leave it in the past and move forward. Don't build up those walls in our heart that have been holding us back for so, so long. I remember uh, we were doing this, this business deal last year and I was selling one of our companies. Um, and it was probably a year that we were working together to figure out if this deal was going to go through, and uh, it looked like it was going to. 
And then it kind of came off the rails a little bit. And I remember having this conversation. It was a Friday afternoon. I'm on the phone with the CEO of the company that was buying my company. And so we're in this conversation and the guy goes, um, I, I started feeling taken advantage of. And the, and the guy says to me, um, hey, um, if you don't say yes to this, there's about a 1% chance that you're going to sell this company. And I said, okay. So what you're saying is if I don't continue to let you beat me up and continue to change this deal on me as we move forward, then I'm going to lose the deal? I already felt like, by the way, that God intended for us to sell the company last year. So I already felt like God was kind of on our side to do it. So I had that going for me. But then I run up against this wall and I'm like, whoa, I have all these uh, things run through my head like, whoa, if this guy doesn't buy it, then when I, was I wrong? Was that not God? Was that, you've been there. And I could have easily fallen into offense with this guy. Like he keeps changing the deal on me. He's, he's selfish. He's looking out for himself. Like, but what I chose to do is I said to him on the phone, hey, if, if, if I have to change again, then this deal probably isn't for me. I'm gonna let you take the weekend, I'll take the weekend, we'll think about it, but this is, this is the bottom line. This is where I draw the line. Like, if this isn't the deal, then this isn't the deal. And he was kind of upset on the phone and he said, hey, um, well, you probably got a 1% chance of selling this thing and I'm gonna hit send on this email and I just said, hey, hit send. I, have, I, I can't change your email, I can't change your partner's heart, I can't do any of that, so just hit send on the email and... If, if this thing works out, it works out. We hung up the phone and it wasn't really that great of a conversation. I, I could have let unforgiveness creep into my heart. I could have let offense creep into my heart and started going like, why is this guy changing the deal? What, what is up with this guy? Like, but I went into the weekend and I slept like a baby. I, I was fine. I was at peace because here's the way I approached it with God because I didn't build a wall up in my heart. I approached it with God like this. Well, God, I feel like you told us that we were going to sell the company. So if it doesn't sell to him, then who are you going to sell it to, God? Like I took the problem, instead of taking it on myself and building a wall up in my heart, I just took the problem and kind of handed it back to God and said, hey, God, you, you got a problem because I, I feel like you told me you were going to sell it. So if he's not it, then who's going to call me Monday? Come to find out on Monday, this gentleman calls, he talked to his partners, it worked out and we sold the, the company. I think we sold that company last year because we didn't let the wall build up in our heart. We were just gonna follow God. We weren't gonna hold an offense. We weren't gonna fall into unforgiveness. We were gonna let God be God. Let God be in control of the situation. And I wonder if we can do that more frequently, if we can focus on it. Look at what's holding us back in our flesh. Like, ask some questions to those people around us. Like, make sure that our heart isn't built up like with unforgiveness that's gonna hold us back. Maybe a couple steps that we can take are just one can we forget? I don't know if we can forget, but maybe we can start walking towards that in forgiveness and set some healthy boundaries and communicate them well. Instead of just inner vows, holding them in our heart, building up walls in our heart, let's get them out. Let's, let's talk to that person that we forgave. Let's set a boundary that can help us move forward in our relationship and give that relationship a chance instead of just holding it in our heart and closing it out and never moving forward Again, number two, what about uh, daily put the flesh behind? Maybe there's ways that we can ask those questions and then we can start kind of like, um, like Jesus did on, on the cross. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or, or, 
hey, I'm, I'm gonna stay in forgiveness today. I'm gonna focus on forgiveness today. What about number three, believing the best at all times for, for they know not what they do. Like it looks like they know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to hurt me, but hey, I'm just gonna believe the best right now and I'm gonna let God be in control of that situation. And then what if we go into the scripture and find some promises that we can declare over our lives? Maybe, maybe that's the healthiest thing that we could do for ourselves is find some promises in the scripture, some promises like, hey, God turns all things around for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So matter, no matter how bad this looks, no matter if forgiving and moving on looks like that's not gonna work, that's the word and the word works and God turns all things around for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So guess what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take the controls out of my hands and put them in God's hands and maybe God can work out a miracle in the end. Here's what I like to do is just pray with you today real quick before I hand this service back over to Pastor Dino. Can, can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Let's pray. God, I thank you for being involved in this message today even, God. I thank you that that one point that we needed today, that, that one thing that we talked about today that you had us here to hear. God, I thank you that you're healing hearts right now, healing minds. You're, you're actually even setting up plans for forgiveness in our lives, to, to break down that wall that's been blockading uh, our heart from even hearing from you, God. I think you're opening our ears and opening our eyes to see your purposes and your plans for us, God. I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, even while we were yet sinners. God, I thank you that today you're speaking to us, you're moving us forward in our purpose. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, wasn't that a great message from Pastor James? I love when he talks about not allowing the flesh to get in the way of walking in forgiveness. What a great word, man. I hope you got something out of that. I know I did, and I know it's just going to continue to be a blessing to anybody that watches this afterwards. And listen, if you're talking about walking in forgiveness or walking in the fullness of your forgiveness, you can't even get there if you haven't made that first step to invite Christ into your life. If you're watching this today and you say, Pastor Dino, I have never invited Jesus into my life. I have never made that decision to personally make Jesus my savior, then I want to invite you to do that right now. It's the beginning. It is the most important decision that you can make in your life. It is a reflection of the greatest act of forgiveness ever made when Jesus hung on the cross for you and I, when the Bible says that while you and I were still sinners, Jesus still died for us. What an amazing promise we have. And if you're here today and you're just, and you're, and you're watching, I want to just come in agreement with you and, and help you to invite Christ into your life. You know, I was raised in a religious home. I was raised in a religious background. When somebody said to me, have you invited Jesus into your heart? I didn't know what they meant. I thought I had to belong to a certain church or a certain club or be water baptized. But at the end of the day, I prayed a very simple prayer to invite Jesus into my heart, the same one that I want to pray with you. And it changed my whole life. So let's pray. Bow your head with me and come into agreement with me and just pray a simple prayer like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my personal savior. Change me. Help me. I believe that you are God's son and that you paid for my sin. And I am inviting you to be my personal savior. In your name, I pray. Amen.
Hopefully this message was encouraging to you. And if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to send the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give or about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.